0: Soul soul, just let it flow. No one can do it quite like It's
3: time for Caroline. Hey friends, on this episode of Get Real Podcast, I have Mary Reems Reinhardt. She is beautiful, inside and out. She walks into a room and she takes your breath away because she's just stunningly beautiful. And then you talk to her and you can't even believe she's a real person because she's the sweetest human on earth. She is married to Bear, the lead singer of Need to Breathe. And now he has his own solo project called I Am Wilder Woods. She is such an honest soul. She talks about her love story with Bear, how they met in college, how they they dated, they broke up, they got married, how they have just navigated marriage, good and hard seasons, and she's just real about life, and it's really refreshing to talk to her, and this was her first podcast, so I feel always so special when someone trusts me to come on and share their story with me, so get excited, here is Mary Reams. I am here with Mary Reams, (laughs) Reinhardt, right, am I saying Reinhardt, right, Mm -hmm. yeah, okay, What's up? You said you have a funny question? I do.
1: Have you ever... First of all, I just spilled some water. But have you ever interviewed somebody for your podcast and were like, this is so boring I use it? Never. <laughs> I could be the first. No, you will not. You will not be the first. Okay. But this I'm is sure. your That's first... Fine. It wouldn't hurt my feelings if you had to
3: tell me that. I would rather you tell me. That. I've already stalked your Instagram and I already know you're not boring. Cool. And I already... Okay, so we're like new friends. We are. But you're thanks one of... Lainey. Thanks to Thanks to Crowder. Lainey
1: connection to everybody. So... in you know Porter's Call I don't know if we're allowed
3: to say that but well we can say we go to therapy there we individually go to therapy there I
1: call it life coaching
3: life coaching (laughs) yeah Uh, speaking of life coaching though like Porter's Call is this amazing outreach that they offer to wives of musicians and musicians yeah and it's like free of charge because Mm. they're whoever who who started Al Anderson yeah (laughs) Al Anderson started it but now we go to Beth right love her and it's very confidential but since we have decided to right, share we right. can share yeah. but it's like they um, help artists and artist wives get their heads on straight because yeah. it is such a hard industry to navigate Right, being an artist and the wife of an artist and I, I yeah. think that is such an amazing outreach that yeah. they offer this program yeah. and so we've met through that right
1: and I think so even before so we have lived in Nashville a year and a half now and we lived where'd in did Charleston where'd you move from? Before. Charleston South Carolina? Yeah, it's so a you've only been here place. a year and a half mm-hmm. I mean I feel like we been here a ton yes. over the past. We've been married 16 years, so.
3: so. And you are married to Bear, who is yes. the lead singer of Need to Breathe, and now I am Wild. Is it I am Wilderwoods or Wilderwoods? Wilder Wilderwoods, yeah. Okay, it's Instagrams
1: project, so
3: which is yeah. insane. Yeah. That okay. music is insane. Um, thank you. I like it, but oh, we got We'll talk about
1: all that. <laughs> so, but yeah, we've lived here a year and a half. But even before we moved here, I always heard about Porter's Call, which is just a sort of a kind of mentorship, counseling, all the things for. Artist family, so I always was like, "Well, if we move to Nashville, I want to go there." So it's great.
3: What have you learned about yourself by going to therapy and counseling, or what did you call it? Life coaching. Well,
1: I call it life coaching. I feel like counseling can kind of sound scary for people, mm-hmm. but I'm like, we go to personal trainers for like fitness, right? And all kinds of stuff. You know, why would so you not work on your brain? Health coaching. <laughs> so yes. Um. Honestly, we probably starting maybe seven or eight years ago. We started seeing somebody periodically we went through like a tough time anyways and were there more frequently but i've kind of kept up with it i've always loved like so you and bear started going together yeah yeah. probably yeah was that hard to decide to go to therapy together i don't think so i don't neither of us really were had any qualms about it or hang-ups about it i think both of us are kind of the type who like outside advice and, and honestly coaching so it wasn't hard for us to go we just kind of that's started how away. michael and i got yeah. our
3: decided to get married we had broken up for we'd gotten we'd been together four years broken up two years and we we're getting back together and we were like we're gonna go to therapy and we're either gonna right. break up and be broken up forever yeah or we're gonna work it out right and we were able to work everything out in therapy yeah
1: yeah and then we go like um even when it, when you're not dealing with something like acute or whatever going periodically and honestly i describe it to people who don't you know are a little bit nervous about it kind of the same thing with coaching you know you go to a personal trainer whatever um but it kind of for me it helps me to reach the goals that i'm trying to get to you know Mm -hmm. kind of eliminating hang-ups or anything like that um so anyways going periodically so now being new at porter's call i love i mean beth is great i've actually she's the first female counselor i've ever seen And I kind of, it's just a different dynamic. So, but in terms of learning, I mean, I think one of the biggest things I've learned through being in counseling, life coaching, um, is I was kind of a control freak, like an emotional control freak. I get that. I really am uncomfortable with uncertainty and just needing. And I think for me, it's easiest to be controlling with the people that are closest to me. So like, of course. So Bear would bear the brunt of that. So. <laughs> of course. So it's been good to, you know, kind of learn to be... I mean, life is not certain ever, you mm-hmm. know, just kind of be peaceful despite circumstances and just kind of grow and trust in general. So anyways, that's probably the biggest did thing. Did you
3: I know that there. you were an emotional control freak or did you learn uh, that through life coaching?
1: I think I... I mean, I think I... I'm a, a fairly insightful person about myself but I definitely I did not know to the su- severity degree. yeah so pro- yeah probably it was probably new through doing counseling for sure
3: I've learned that. so much about myself through yeah. counseling too My biggest thing has always been like self-worth issues. Yeah. Like I've always struggled with self-worth issues and I'm sorry for everyone who's listened to my podcast. I've done a lot of therapy (laughs) podcasts lately (laughs) and I'm like, let me tell you all of my issues. But it's always been like not feeling like I'm good enough. And then I think that has led me to like controlling in different ways. Right. right. Um, Like with Michael, he's much more free spirited than me. Yeah. And he is like someone who is a lot more lighthearted. Yeah. And I think I could it's he's taught me so much yeah. how to be more lighthearted like that yeah. but i feel like i have i've for my own set of reasons have the same thing where i just want to like control everything and have it all worked out and like i need right. him to like do everything i need him sure. to do sure sure yeah do
1: y'all do the Enneagram or have you done yes. it? Do you talk about that on your podcast? Yes. I don't want to like be too no. you redundant. You're like, we can't talk about that anymore. But what is your number and what's I'm bears? A, okay, so I'm a six. You're a six. What is a six? So a six is a loyalist. Okay. So I read the other day, there's this Enneagram app called Ennea app that I really like. And it gives like a quick like phrase for each number and the six is uh, let me try to remember it's the glass is neither half full or no it doesn't matter if the glass is half full or half empty it's gonna break anyways <laughs> which so is like, like so sad the but bottom's falling out yeah um so for me it's more about I think sixes struggle with self-doubt like trusting your own instincts I all and I think that's part of the reason why I like coaching because I want somebody else to tell me how to do it mm-hmm. so I can just Give me the roadmap, I can do it. But if you leave me to, like, figure it out myself, I'm like, I don't know what to do, you know? Yes. Um, So, Bear is an eight. So, that's a challenger. It's my dad. Yeah. Yeah. Eights can be, ter- like, terrible people if they're unhealthy and awesome leaders. Well, eights are the only
3: ones, my mom told me this because my dad's an eight, that use anger as a tool. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Bear, I, don't I would don't say, is a one.
3: really healthy eight. Mm -hmm. I
1: wouldn't, seven or eight years ago, not so much. But We all were children seven or eight years ago. We were, we were. But sixes and eights can be a good dynamic. I mean, I think, I think we are. But um, eights like to tell people, give their opinion and tell them what to do. And sixes are like, bring it on. Yes.
3: (laughs) Well, eights are probably like visionaries (laughs) because they have a very clear plan of how, and don't they like hate injustice? Yes. Yes. That's like one of their driving like they hate you know. injustice, yeah, and they're very much like passionate, yes, you know,
1: leaders, that kind of stuff. So it's as I would say, it's a strong personality. And sixes can be a little passive. I don't consider I'm not a passive person, but I think we work well together in relationships because I can kind of soften the har, you know harsher edges with bear. So and I think over time, I mean, again, we've been married like sixteen years, so over time you kind of. Sort of mesh, not mesh into one. You're obviously no, you do. still your independent people, but you learn so much from each other. And kind of, I do feel like we operate really as a team in a lot of ways. So, and again, with having people around us that are mentors or whatever, that's, you know, made it easier to kind of mesh together. So, would what what you say that you've
3: always, oh, wait, would you say, oh, sorry, I said, What are you and Michael? I'm okay. going to interview you. Oh, guys. You interviewed me. <laughs> secret talent Mary rings <laughs> um Michael's a seven so he's okay. an enthusiast okay so he's best friend is a seven. Those his sevens are, fun are fun they yeah, love all over the place but it's so fun all over the place <laughs> they love to like they don't like to hang on to pain and yeah. like sadness they want to find the joy in life which is a really great thing Michael has become a healthy seven too but like it's an unhealthy yeah. seven will skate over pain sure. altogether right. and not like, deal with it right And so I feel like we've both been able, like you and Bear, have been able to really help each other deal with all of our personal shit, yeah, right, and like become the best version of ourselves. I'm a four, so I'm a romantic. I think is what it's called, or an individualist. Yeah, Bear's brother is a four. Gosh, we can be the worst. Like (laughs) an unhealthy four (laughs) is
1: exhausting. Yeah, I know a really healthy four. Um, there's a guy. I don't know if you've listened to any of his music, with John Mark Millen, he's a four, and he's a really healthy four, and it was funny. Um, Anyways, just to hear him talk about his journey to health. Yeah, (laughs) totally, Uh, and I think we're all there no matter what number you are, but. Anyways. Because
3: anyone who's Fours listening. are like
1: total creatives and stuff too. Total
3: creatives. We think that we're just like individualists. Yeah. Like right. no one understands right. us. Right. You know, we're right. deep with our feelings. Yeah. Like I feel yeah. a like. a feeler. Oh, such a feeler. Yeah. Like when I'm unhealthy, which honestly, I feel like I have done so much work on myself. I'm always sure. aware when I'm like a little bit spiraling. I feel like awareness is half the battle. It's all. Like, <laughs> becoming a new mom has brought me yeah. to my knees. Yeah. And like brought out a lot of things with yeah. my emotional foreness. Yeah. So I've had to like keep myself in check Sure, but then I also just let myself cry Yeah, but I also think that's being a new mom and it's just totally. so yeah. many things like I uh, said your brain is mushy the first
1: like who i honestly I felt like my brain was mushy for about nine months it'll get better but when you look back you're like gosh your your body is just offering so much especially if you're nursing and even if you're not nursing you're still feeding a baby but I mean you're just there's a lot there's a huge physical component that is different than anything that you've done before because sure.
3: you're around the clock. Right. It's like, tied to a right. child, which you love, yeah. but really it's a whole, it's like right. a death of your old self. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. New chapters and that
1: kind of stuff. But I do think, like, you do find, like, your abilities start to expand. You that's know, that's an interesting way of putting it. To, like... That's a beautiful way of putting it. I think it. they say, with, um, like having multiple kids I remember I heard this before I had Woods our second we have Wilder who's four and Woods our two-year-old is that your heart just kind of grows and I think that's true and I think as a mom your ability you either get better at delegating tasks that you know somebody else can help you with or your abilities just kind of expand I'm all about delegating tasks that's smart though (laughs) my number one thing is laundry I Uh, abhor
3: laundry and I hate the sheets (laughs) the sheets on the bed are what get me like having to take the sheets off the bed and put them on I don't know why it only takes like five minutes to take them off and five minutes to put them on but for some reason that task I just dread it I know I know so that's great helping get helping yourself to be a better mom wife yeah whatever by delegating yeah and that involves sure? like identifying what you need, right? trusting people. Yeah. Did yeah. you have trouble asking for help? Asking for help? A Are lot you? of people struggle with asking
1: for help. I Do don't know you? if I'm just like so selfish that I don't struggle with it. <laughs> 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 I don't. I think I'm pretty good at asking for help. We have um, a part-time nanny because I still work. And my mom and dad live in town. Um, so I'm just really fortunate. I mean, it's really, as you know, um, or as you're gonna find out now that you have a baby with doing the solo parenting thing is hard. Um, so, I mean, having help is critical if you can afford it. I mean, mm-hmm. I often think about people who are single parents who have really limited le- resources and just cannot afford any help. Mm-hmm. You know, are just able to get by, and I don't know how they do it. Mm-hmm. So, my hats off to them on a whole new level but for me i feel like we're blessed enough to be able to ask for help and i feel like i <laughs> i don't struggle with asking good so, good we, we have the best you know i call her my nanny but honestly she's more like a life manager she does a little bit of everything for us and it's just kind of my
3: right hand man especially when bear's gone so that's been awesome so okay, you're talking about you and Bear have become this great team. Mm-hmm. Where did when did y'all meet? Were y'all how old? Bear were in college. I was 19. You were 19. Yes. How old, is Bear the same age?
1: He's two years older than me, so he was like 20 or 21. Was it love um, at first sight? You, it's a funny story. So we were we both went to Furman in South Carolina, and he's a couple. was like two grades ahead of me, and
3: was, was he singing in college?
1: college? He, he was. So this is how. I met then so he played. He was a successful football player there. Um, I went to FCA or fellowship of Christian athletes, whatever, just a little club there. And he was leading worship and I definitely was like, I'm going to marry him one day. I know that sounds cheesy, First time but you saw I, him, yes. And I've never, and other fun fact, I really didn't have another boyfriend before bear, which sounds supremely dorky, <laughs> but it's true. No, it so doesn't. I, it's not like I went into <clears> rooms. Thinking that, or had any, my mom got married not later in life, but she it wasn't like she got married right out of college and stuff. So I never, I mean, those kind of things never crossed my mind. But for whatever reason, I don't know if I just thought he was cool. What was it about (laughs) him? I don't know. I mean, I do think Bear has a certain presence about him. I mean, obviously, I'm biased. His name's Bear. Special, yeah. What a great name. Yeah. So, um. Anyways, so he was dating somebody else at the time, which I didn't know. Okay. (laughs) Um, but. About six months later, and this is the dumbest move ever. He sent his buddy to be like, "Hey, what do you think about Bear Reinhardt?" And of course, I tried to. Play he it sent cool. his buddy. So, he, <laughs> so he'd broken up with his other girl. Very middle school. Very middle no. school. No, but yeah, he sent his buddy, buddy to be like, "Hey, Miriams, what do you what do you think about Bear Reinhardt?" And I tried to play it cool. I was like, "I mean, he seems okay. <laughs> <laughs> he's okay. Yeah, he's all right." So, anyways, eventually, so he was digging on you too, yeah, obviously. And Bear is, I mean. I don't, I don't know if you've ever been around Bear, but mm-hmm. obviously with anybody who's on stage, they have, you know, huge stage personality, whatever. But he's like intensely shy. Bear it, is?
3: Yes. No. For sure. Well, yes. when you see his music videos and hear his voice, right. it's like you he's like a bear. That, it's I huge. Think people
1: are so shocked when they meet him in just a normal setting that he's very mild-mannered and quiet. Like, is he shy I feel like people? I have to, yes. Is he an I, introvert? He's not an uh, Much more of an introvert introvert than me. I'm like a total extrovert. But he's just kind of on the shy side. And so he's much better now. I mean, once you've been in the sort of public arena for a long time, you get better at it. But in college, he was intensely shy. And my family is kind of just like me, very talkative, very, you know, huggy kind of stuff. So um, anyways, we started dating my freshman year. We broke up for a little bit. The I think that's after healthy. We did. He broke up with me. So. Why did he break up with I you? I know, right? You know, honestly, like I said, I'd never really dated anybody before. And I felt like I really got honestly intimidated. Now, I was kind of more impressed with him. And I think I let that intimidate me. So
3: that's normal, though.
1: I feel totally. like. And it's- it was honestly a great, great process. So went home for the summer after my freshman year and basically spent the whole summer like getting over my heart my heart were right. you just broken I, I was pretty heartbroken about it yeah and of course my my parents are great my dad was like you know still acts like I hung the moon and was like I don't I don't understand why anybody would break up with you I was like it's okay dad it's okay <laughs> but by the end of the summer you know after you've talked about it a thousand times oh, with yes, all your girlfriends of course, of course I think I literally went back to school with a lot of mojo and was basically like if Brad Pitt wanted to date me, he would be lucky. (laughs) Yes, (laughs) ma'am. So I kind of feel like sort of like, at least you went that way. Yeah, at least in a young adult way, came into womanhood sort of over that summer. And and when we came back, we were in some various clubs together and just kind of restarted our conversation. But I remember he asked me to come hang out or something again. (laughs) I actually sent him an email and I was like, listen, I'm not interested in being just an apartment groupie. We were not friends before we started dating. I'm not interested in that. So you're either interested in me or not.
0: <laughs> Good
1: <laughs> for like, you, Mary. Okay. Me. <laughs> so. I mean, I think men love that. Yeah. I think after that point, once we came back to school, and I really do, I feel like I grew up over that summer, then we kind of knew that this was the thing. And then we're so. all together
3: forever since then?
1: We were. We graduated like a year and a half later. Um, I got married at 21.
3: So And he was 23?
1: No. he. So he's a little, I say he's two years older than me. He's about maybe 16 months so he's he was 22 okay yeah close enough whatever. so y'all got
3: married when you're 21 and 22 we did how do you even neither know was, how to do anything jobs, right well yeah what do so, you do if you have no jobs you're basically right. you just became how an did adult my parents let me do that no you became know. an adult three years before you got married because yeah. 18 19 20 right. or, three or four, i can't right. do math right so how do you even know how to navigate marriage that young what do you do as a married know. person well, at 21 like
1: Love drunk, I guess. Yeah. You know, we lived in, we got married and you neither know, of us had jobs. Ironically, our so honeymoon I, was to the big city of Nashville. Looky there. Foreshadowing. For we stayed at Union Station, that hotel. Love that hotel. That was back in the day. But um, so we stayed there. I remember we went on our honeymoon. You know how people give you like money for your reception and wedding? Mm-hmm. I think we had $1,200 and we felt rich. Yes. Um, so. We were driving home. We'd spent, you know, like half of our money, whatever. We were like, well, I guess it's time to get jobs. So he, of course, was already doing the band, but I mean. And Need to Breathe started? Yeah, like, honestly, before I met Bear, like, (laughs) um, maybe the year before I met Bear. So they were, um, I say touring. Honestly, I was their first tour manager. You were their tour manager? (laughs) I would now on a very like amateur level. So I would sit in my dorm room literally in college and Lainey can attest to this cause she was there. And I remember I had a little. And You and Laney were roommates. We were, we were best friends. Is she in college, went to Furman. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She was a great basketball player, by the way. Yeah. I remember seeing Laney the first time, and y'all look like sisters. You both are oh, tall, well, skinny. You. That is a beautiful, compliment Beautiful, long me. hair. Because Laney's beautiful, but y'all both. I are remember beautiful. I saw her because we were we both came to Furman at the same time, and you can't miss Laney because she has white blonde hair and is like down to her butt one, mm-hmm. right? And I was like, oh. She's really pretty. She's probably not very nice. <laughs> Isn't that funny? Like and I, I like know, right? Very, and very catty. Yeah. So I remember she walked up to me one day, at again, like at FCA or some club thing, um, and was like, what kind of shampoo do you use? In her very Georgia accent. And no. I was like, I love you. You're the and that best. was it. And, yeah, was and like then y'all were like roommates. Are roommates. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so anyways, coming back from our honeymoon, we had to start looking, or I had to start looking for jobs. So I looked in the newspaper. And what'd I you find? got, like, a $9 an hour job. Were you like nurse a nurse at that point? I wasn't. I went back to nursing school probably four or five years after we were married. So that's what took us to Charleston. So we were in upstate South Carolina and then moved to Charleston for me to go back to school. So I told a joke with Fair that him being on tour made me be like, well, what do I want to do with my life? So what was yeah, that? I was staying in college, I did their book. I would just sit in my dorm room and we would, like, send out, we'd make little, like, what you call press kits, which is basically like your record or EP, a note about you, some pictures, whatever, and send it out to people. And I would call and we made up a name for me instead of, you know, trying to make me sound a little older than 19 years old. Um, I was like, this is Reems Reinhardt with City Lights Productions. I love that. <laughs> Reams Reinhardt. Reams, what a great name. I went because I have a double name, which is really confusing. Mary Reems. Mary Reams, which is like a Mary Elizabeth. Or something like that. It's my mom's main name. But when you tell people that, they just assume you're kind of saying your last name. Yes. Um, so they call you Mary. So in college, people just started calling me Reems. I love but that. But knows me as Mary Reams. So I just say I answer to whatever. Just, hey, you is
3: fine. Reams <laughs> Reinhardt. <laughs> what a cool name.
1: So anyways, but Bear calls me Mary Reems So,
3: Was he able to make money touring at that young in the band's age? Oh, no. 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 <laughs>
1: And and you put all the money, like, back into the van, I'm sure. So are y'all just living on ramen? Pretty much. I think I'm... So we lived in Wahala, South Carolina. Okay. So that is a very small town in the state of South Carolina. And we lived in a duplex that was, I think, $300 a month. A month. And I think I made, like, $300 a week. So what's funny, you're so young and dumb. And I kind of expected, like, well, we'll probably eat beans and ramen for the rest of our lives. I never remember a time feeling like, oh my gosh, we can't make it or we're poor or whatever. You're just young and you don't have a lot of expectations. And so I was fortunate to be able to, I mean, I, we were both fortunate and we had college degrees. So I was able to get jobs fairly easily. So, you know, and we were, when you're that young and naive, you just believe your dreams are going to work out. So, the idea that you would be a musician and not have a career just doesn't cross your mind, you know? Mm -hmm. So so anyways, that's how it all kind of.
3: So talk to me about that because people will look at your life now and see you and bear and you're both stunning people. Bear has an amazing career. Y'all have two beautiful sons. You have an amazing career too. Like as you're on your own, you'll have this beautiful life. People will, people will look at you and they'll be like, geez, like, that is the picture perfect life. Like, I want, I want that. I'm envious yeah. of that. But when you are starting out and Bear has no money, his right. t- c- touring hasn't taken off, his career yeah. hasn't taken off, you're just finding your way. Uh-huh. Did you ever have a moment of like, what if this doesn't work out for him? Like, what are we going to do?
1: Honestly, again, and I know this sounds crazy. I really, I think part of the reason we got married is I just sort of... Saw who Bear was, and I just believed that he would do what it takes to make it. And maybe not in music, but that we'd be okay. Like you, you knew know? he was going to make it somehow? Yeah, or just... I, I never felt like he was going to leave me hanging in terms of like us not being able to... You didn't like, think he would just quit at life? Right, right, yeah. Um He's just a pretty strong person. And I know that's... I mean, it almost sounds like I'm fangirling, and I certainly... I'm not, but, <laughs> but I don't know. I think we we both have and had, I think, a lot of mutual respect for each other and just, I don't know, at the time you feel very capable, you know. And, and in some ways when you're young you are that capable because you're that naive and you don't have all the – you don't need a lot and you don't have maybe as many hang-ups as you do when you're, you know, in your 30s or whatever mm-hmm. and you're like you're – You're, you're wide open. Right. You really are and I think – you know bear always talks about most of the great artists in the world like that have you know changed the world like van gogh or whatever were really young Mm -hmm. really really young when Mm -hmm. they did it and there's a part of that artistic spirit that i think is is there's just something different about it when you're really young versus a little bit older
3: i agree so i would trade
1: it like i love and appreciate the wisdom that we've gained but it's just different you know
3: it's almost like you need that naivety ni- or however you say right. It, right being naive enough to think you can go full force for these wild dreams right because if you had been beat down by the world and like I don't know it's like right. you might not feel like like you could do it right right so what has it been like watching him turn into a star like, how has that, what has I, that been like for you? And what has that been it like for your marriage? Because
1: he's probably, he would laugh because he's like, she, she doesn't treat me like a star. Well, that's probably, that's <laughs> a good thing. Know, I do think because, again, and I, I feel like I say it a lot and I don't want to say it like a point of pride or something. I But I am glad that we've been together since we were kids just because you don't have that sort of, I don't know. I didn't meet him as a fan. I -hmm. met him just as a guy and vice versa, you know? So it's more been cool to see the process, like the hard work that it takes. And then I think when you're in it, and I've always felt very much a part of it just because you're, hopefully you're
3: your person's, when you were the tour manager in the beginning, you've been there from (laughs) the OG days. Right,
1: that's true. But um, I think one thing that wisdom does bring as you get older, I think when you're young, you're always looking for that next thing. So sometimes you do get an opportunity that you'd been hoping for, but by the time you, but it usually takes longer than you expected. By the time you're there, you're already thinking about the next one. That is so So you rarely stop to enjoy the moment and be like, I'm so thankful that, you know, we had this opportunity. Like I have what I've been praying for. Exactly. You're at least for me, and I think that's one of my struggles is I'm always looking towards the next thing. I think now slowing down in life, it's easier to be like, all right, we're going to be present and thankful for this moment. Cause there's always more, you know, you could be the biggest star or whatever in the world, but, and there's sort of your hunger for that is maybe insatiable, but you know, it's been cool for me to see, see the process and see how it evol- evolves over time. And, um, yeah, see some of those opportunities actually come to
3: fruition. It just makes you more thankful, for sure, you know. So, so what has been, since y'all have been together, since you were just children and now you're, <laughs> you know, you've been in this for over right. a decade, yeah. almost two probably, 16 yeah, years. Yeah, I
1: think they've been a band for like 18 years and I've been around here for 17 or so, if you count when we're dating. So
3: What's a high and what's a low of being married to a oh, musician?
1: Okay, so a high, I mean, I would say just recently – is a good example i um, was able to go to europe with the wilder woods tour um so you're able to see parts of the world i have friends who you know do various things in life who they they just don't have the opportunity to travel as much and a lot of people would love that opportunity to see you know you've been to most of the major cities in the u.s a lot in canada I've been to Europe twice with that, so, um, and I didn't grow up traveling, I mean, we traveled regionally, but not all over the country and all over the world, Um, so that's probably one of the things that I would look back and be like, I'm really fortunate that I get to travel, because I know there's so many people who would, you know, love to go to some of the places I've gotten to go to. The lows are, I think, any notoriety, it doesn't matter what level, and probably honestly any anybody as an adult you sort of have to work through your identity stuff and i think sometimes people who do have notoriety have unusual access to things that others don't you so know you, you way just of putting it invariably have people who think you're great exactly starry-eyed you're yeah and just admire you and that's i mean i'm totally thankful that they have fans and i you know i'm a fan too but I think sometimes if you find your identity in other people's praise, basically, um, that can really a- affect you. Yeah, and mm-hmm. it has affected us. I would, I would say we went through sort of dealing with that probably
3: seven or eight years ago. Is that probably right when their star was rising?
1: Yeah. I mean, they had been touring for a long time and were well established. But I just, I more think it was the time in life where you really start probably the time in marriage where you really start to... It starts to get hard. You know, yes. In the early days, you're yes. like, it's so easy. Exactly. You know, like, whatever. But you really start to see each other's weaknesses and really brush up against them and have to deal with them.
3: And, you know? been, and you're married and yeah. You, yeah, all the new has, like, worn uh, off. Right, right. It's, you still love the person. When you come home and
1: I'm, like, bitching about something, you, yes. know, you have hundreds of other people who would tell you you're great no matter what. You exactly. know what I mean? I think you... That's such
3: to a good with that, point, Mary you know? And I think that that, I'm so glad you mentioned that because yeah. Michael and I have now been together almost 10 years. Yeah. And we've definitely hit some points where it's like, you always love that person, but it's like a way Sometimes wave. you don't like them though. Sometimes you don't like <laughs> and him. And that's okay. And he doesn't like me sometimes. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, that is like, I feel like that is marriage. Yeah, totally. And, and that so, is normal. And people don't always mention that because right. like when you get married and yeah. you have just all of the stars in your eyes, and you're like this person. I could never not just be madly in love with this person. Yeah. You're traveling, you're having sex all the time. You're <laughs> sure. just like yeah. in heaven. Like it's just right. like this person is the greatest thing that's ever happened to your yeah. life. And yeah. then here come bills. Right. Here come career stalls. Right. Here come right. personality traits right. that you didn't necessarily know, know about. Here comes like trying to like navigate two personalities mm-hmm. side by side. Yeah. And sometimes one. children,
1: we were fortunate in a way. We didn't choose to have children until later. We had been married like 12 years before we had Wilder, which honestly allowed us to work through some of that stuff and I'm sure made parenting and that transition much, much easier. Um, But yeah, you just start to really get into each other's like the ugly stuff that you're either going to have to deal with or you're going to keep running from and it's probably going to get worse. Yeah.
2: Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars. Oh, and Two-Door Cinema Club. Hi, I'm Cindy Crawford, and I'm the founder of Meaningful Beauty. Well, I don't know about you, but, like, I never liked being told, oh, wow, you look so good for your age. Like, why even bother saying that? Why don't you just say you look great at any age, every age? That's what Meaningful Beauty is all about. We create products that make you feel confident in your skin.
3: At the age you are now. Meaningful Beauty. Beautiful skin at every age. Learn more at meaningfulbeauty.com. So, how did you deal with that? How did you not self, how did y'all work together when you hit that spot where it's like, oh gosh, we're in the thick of it? A lot of it was
1: honesty, like really being honest with ourselves and finally really, really being honest with each other.
3: That it hurt? I don't want to see. It hurt really bad, yeah. But I will say, and sometimes I get teary-eyed. It's okay. It. Um, I, t- this is a crying podcast. <laughs> okay, good. Yeah, no, it was incredibly painful, but... That's my dog, I, Sugar, oh, down yeah. there. Sorry, everyone.
1: <laughs> although I don't want to relive it, I'm so glad we went through it. I do think we're, like, so much stronger. So it was a lot of grace and forgiveness, a lot of counseling. And I will say, for me, I feel like in terms of faith i feel like i'd known god but i had never really experienced sort of the cliche of peace that passes understanding and i really do feel like we were blessed spiritually during that time for god to kind of come along to like be like okay this is gonna hurt but you need to walk through this you know to like kind of i always say beauty from ashes and that i really
3: we we're in a real dark spot. So why do you but, think you yeah. have to hit the bottom sometimes to find God and to like get that strength within like yeah. a marriage?
1: I think that kind of reflects life. I think we're very fortunate in the culture that we live in. That life in comparison to many parts of the world is pretty easy. You know, mm-hmm. we're not most of us are not struggling to like find food, clothing, shelter. We have our basic needs met. We have a fairly comfortable lifestyle. So we kind of have stopped expecting there to be hardship or if there is we're like well it's because of this or whatever. But mm-hmm. I think really if you as you get older and you take a step back like life is full of hardships. You can't control you know what happens tomorrow to you or your children or your spouse or your friends, whatever. And sometimes I do think kind of running into tragedy is what makes us more human almost you know i would say before we sort of went through our dark season i i lived that i'd never really had anything bad happen in my life not that it was like peachy keen all the time i had good parents was provided for able to go to school went to college got jobs whatever and i kind of had a sense that one day i'm gonna run into
3: something that's really really felt it
1: i did i know that sounds weird but i definitely did i was like my life has been just really rosy you're
3: like what what is it gonna be and I see
1: other people's around me and they're dealing with really hard stuff like something's gonna
3: were you nervous for it to come no
1: I wasn't anxious I just had a sense that one day and honestly that's probably like the Enneagram six like fear (laughs) I probably expect the worst just as part of my personality but um anyways I, I did actually experience that and yeah I feel you know obviously I'm seven years away from kind of the pinnacle of that and feel like I can can kind of speak in to that now with other people like you know it's gonna be really hard um but one day you may look back and be like wow I needed that to happen or you know I wouldn't choose to relive
3: it but I'm glad it happened you know so would you say that even though going through a dark time Mm -hmm. season and it hurt more than anything and you had you guys were willing to get honest and vulnerable and share with each other Mm -hmm. the hardest things. Yeah.
1: And do the work, do the counseling work too. And he did it. Y'all both did it. Sure. Yeah. That was like, not, (laughs) it was not an option not to, you know?
3: So do you feel though, like, I know you said you would never want to relive it, but you are grateful it happened. Like what did it teach you about your marriage and how did you guys spring forward from there? Like what changed? Gosh.
1: Um, Honestly, I think it was both becoming whole and healthy ourselves. Like it's never, I think a lot of times when you run into relational problems, it's never really about your spouse. Yeah. It's more about you. That's so true. And I think for Bear and I, on a personal level, like I would say I struggle more with guilt. Okay. And he struggles more with shame. So I would say, say a bad situation happens to me or a relationship, you know, breaks up or something. I generally look – some people look and say, well, who can I blame mm-hmm, for this? Mm-hmm. That's not really my personality. Mine is more like, oh, my gosh, what have I done? You know? Mm. Like it's my fault. I do that. Yeah. That's me too. Right. Barrett is similar, but I think his is more shame, which actually I think is a little like uglier. So how does it's that come more, out? Whereas I don't feel like I struggle with the self-worth component of it. Okay. I think it's more like not only have I done wrong or I've done bad, but I am bad like I'm not worthy. I'm a bad person. Yes. I'm unlovable or whatever.
3: I feel that way too. Yeah. Like it's like yeah. there's something innately wrong with you.
1: Right. And I I will say, I mean I think uh, sure everybody struggles with that sometimes, but I don't feel like that's a deep Oh, that's what Bear struggles with. Thing. Yeah, I would say no, that's
3: more Bear. Okay. I'm, I'm like more I less.
1: deal with the guilt part, but I don't really deal with the shame part.
3: Um, I am more like bear yeah, I right. deal with the shame, right like i'm there's something wrong yeah. with me,
1: and for him, in that seat for me, it was more letting go of the control aspect and being able to trust not even him, just like one behold myself, and trust that I'm taken care of, not by him, even, but just like by the the Lord, honestly, for me, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm gonna be okay no matter what comes my way. And I think for him, it was more hearing and feeling like you are lovable. You know, even I I think he would say realizing that he was loved in his darkest moment by me, some, but mostly by the Lord, I think was what was life
3: changing. You know,
1: being like, if I can be loved when I'm my outright ugliest, then it's going to be okay.
3: How did he get that realization that he can be loved?
1: honestly I felt like it was supernatural really really um, I think for us being able to come together and let go of any dishonesty and be really grossly honest with each other and then I think it was it kind of opened the pathway to you know receiving that I think from the Lord I think it's true for all of us and I think I think sort of, this is me getting very philosophical, but I, love Phil oh, <laughs> I think we're all kind of born with this sort of, I call it a cosmic distrust, that we could be loved fully at our ugliest, in our deepest, ugliest depths by the
3: one who created us. Wait, what do you call it, You call it a cosmic distrust. Wait, so we don't believe that we could. Yeah,
1: I don't think, you know, we come out, I've heard, I don't know if you ever listened to Tim Keller, who's a pastor, in New York City, but he talks about our first. Um, you know, when a baby comes out, they don't come out like, "Oh, this is great, smiley." They're they come out screaming, 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 and it, our initial emotion is fear, really. You know,
3: um, because the world immediately right. is scary. You come out of this perfectly warm, right. safe room right. where you're safe, you're getting like fed, safe, all yeah. your needs are met, and then you're in this cold, scary, yeah, world. So, in kind of a philosophical way, I do. I just
1: feel like we all kind of struggle with that idea of, like, am I taken care of? Can mm-hmm. I trust that I'm loved? And I think being a parent has – I mean, it gives you a million illustrations, you know, with that. So um, – but anyways, I, I do think we kind of struggle – our journey is kind of struggling with that. Like, am I one, you know, do I believe that I'm cared about on sort of a trans, transcendent level by some – I mean – Obviously, I believe in God, somebody who's created me. And do I believe that he could really, really love me, warts and all? Not not from me, like, earning it, just because I am loved, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think that's kind of – anyways, I think that was kind of the revelation that he had. And I do think it was pretty supernatural, honestly. And that's why I say, yes, we – after that difficult time, we did a lot of work, you know, and spent a lot of time in counseling and kind of – unpeeling the onion but i will say like i cannot tell the story without being like this was something that was out of our control like sort of the lord did it in our life and that's why i say it was the first time that i sort of
3: felt like i really really experienced god so how did that change you actually feeling god because i i feel that same way it's like you live your whole life and you you hear about god you know god's there you go to church like you're supposed to believe in god there's a lot of fear with god because if you don't do the right Right. thing you're gonna go to hell right but then how do you feel different when you actually have a god experience and you're like i feel this this marks time in my life like god has moved me and i know the only thing that it is is god like what Does that feel like
1: I I do think it's hard to explain in some ways, but I I would say it's deep for me. And again, I grew up in church and, you know, felt like I embraced faith when I was pretty young um, and was, quote unquote, trying whatever that means. And honestly, I think we spend a lot of our life unnecessarily trying and rather we should just be Be? receiving. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Um, that's so true. But I think with experiencing it, it was I guess the best way to describe it it was just deeply personal, unlike you know human to human did you it, feel like a release like, yeah, it even though it was immensely painful it it was a weight lifted it was like we're gonna be we're gonna be okay, this is gonna hurt real bad and take a lot of healing, but
3: we're gonna be all right, and a freedom or something-
1: t- yeah, freedom, and just again that felt like. The hand of God was kind of holding you, like being like, all right, it's gonna be and that's not I say I think you know wherever people are in faith or belief or whatever it's we all just have our own story, mm-hmm. and that's all we know and you know we can't argue with each other's story and experiences, so I think we all are just sort of learning from mm-hmm. each other and you know what we experience with others with the creator with our children you know so I do think
3: being a parent you know it's a game changer yeah totally how's it opened your mind and heart what has changed for you
1: it's I would say, oh gosh I mean tons of things have changed everything <laughs> your
3: whole life has changed I miss
1: being in control of my schedule but <laughs> um in control of anything really yeah it's funny now having two and seeing how different their personalities are at a very young age and how really little you have anything to do with it. You know you're raising them the same way but already they're so different.
3: So what is the difference between the two of them?
1: So Wilder we should have named him Tranquility because he's obviously living (laughs) into his name. He is very wild but In the sweetest way. I mean, he just is a ball of energy. And I really think he's been that way since he was like teeny tiny. Mm -hmm. Never stops
3: moving. Um, I do think people live into their names. Yeah,
1: Yeah, it's probably true. (laughs) Well, that's good. You
3: chose a good one. I I don't think that wasn't intentional. I'm not kidding you. It's a
1: cute name. And
3: it's it was for that very (laughs) purpose of having a sunny life. Yeah. I'm like, please have a sunny life. Uh, Yeah. So Wilder is just a ton of energy. It's super imaginative.
1: I mean, he lives in imagination land all the time love superheroes can play by himself for hours just imagining things but also is like great with other kids and funny and outgoing and then woods he's the sneaky one he's the two-year-old and you can already tell he's just <laughs> as he's so cute and he's very lucky he's cute because he's super demanding really <laughs> yes and he's been that way since he was a baby like for example here's a, a perfect picture of his personality we were at my parents' house the other day, and my dad was holding him, and um, my dad gave him a piece of a cookie, and he pitched a fit, because he wanted the whole cookie. <laughs>
3: so He knew he was yeah, getting shafted.
1: And he'll, you know, if you give him something out of, like, a potato chip package or something, he'll be like, whole package,
3: whole He needs package. it all.
1: <laughs> no. Give it all it's or nice, nothing. He'll let you know when he's not happy. But he's super charming and funny. He's more focused in some weird... I mean, he's two, so obviously... You see little glimpses of stuff, but he's a little more focused than Wilder. Like, he'll sit down and really figure out how something works versus Wilder's kind of flitting all around and, you know, that kind of stuff. So, so yeah, I think learning just that, obviously, as parents, we're pouring a lot into our kids, but they are their own individual humans, and they're going to have their own strengths and weaknesses. And, you know, as a parent, you want to – Make the path like straight and smooth for him, and it's just not going to be. Mm-hmm. And I think for me, especially being the type of person who wants to be, con- I don't, I don't, I wouldn't describe myself necessarily as controlling, but I don't like uncertainty, I guess, is what I would say. But um, wanting to fix that, and just being like, there's going to be some times where he's going to have to struggle yeah. through some stuff, and there's, it's neither a reflection of me that's an interesting point doesn't necessarily um and he'll be okay too you know um it's not going to reflect you know his entire future necessarily his character or maybe it's a part of the process for him um even with like (laughs) preschool right now he definitely had a couple of weeks where he like struggled bad at school and I think part of it was bear was had been gone for a while and just dealing with sort of the emotions of that and when your kids' teachers are like, "It was a really bad day, multiple days in a row," <laughs> you start to get really embarrassed as a parent. Obviously, you does it can't. affect your ego? Yes, it does. Because yes. you are like, "Oh,
3: this is my child," so this is a reflection it's of me. It's,
1: yes, it's embarrassing. But I told Laney this actually because we were talking about it. Just boys are funny creatures to raise. Um, but we were talking about it, and I said, "You know, I, I have to remember that." My love for Wilder can't depend on how he does at school, you know? Yeah. Because it, it is easy to let your ego get in there and you're embarrassed and then you sort of parent maybe out of frustration or um, disappointment even. So I had to. What does your like, ego oh, say? Wow, he's only four. What's what am I going to do when he's like 15 or 16 and making really stupid choices? But
3: what does your yeah. ego say? about you what is your ego telling you when Wilder is misbehaving at school yeah. several days in a row the teacher's telling you it's a bad day like what does your ego what is your ego telling you
1: for me it's like what am I doing wrong what do I need to do better how do I need to fix this and obviously as a parent some of that you do need to fix and or, or work on be intentional try to you know make sure they obviously have everything that they need emotionally and stuff but some of it is just out of your control but feeling like I You know, I was looking at like 700 schools, different schools for him to go to. Not because I felt it was the school's fault or anything like that. Just I was like, does he need a smaller classroom? Does he need a learning style like this or whatever? Instead of just being like, you know what? He's going to struggle. When dad is gone for long periods of time, he's probably going to have some weeks that he struggles. And it just is what it is. Not that I don't try to fix it, but he's not going to be at his best. You know, he's Mm -hmm. upset and his heart's a little hurt. So just trying to nurture him and provide appropriate boundaries for him but not take it on as this huge massive thing you know and I think I'm sure that I will learn that more I mean again he's four he's like <laughs> a teenager or a young adult and you know goes through a season of struggling or making bad decisions or whatever again you're you're their guide, and you do it like what you can and what you're supposed to do but ultimately they kind of make their own decisions and Mm -hmm. it's not always going to be the right one or the perfect one or whatever so just having to let them do
3: life do life with them I don't know but it's tough (laughs) so you were saying uh, bear feels shame what Mm do you feel you don't feel shame you feel guilt guilt more like do you feel is that how it breaks down in parenting too because like for me when you're saying this scenario I immediately think about Sunny when she gets older and I feel like where I would go would be My ego would go shame. Like, I have messed up. I have ruined her. This is on me. And my ego, it's me, me, me. I have messed up, messed up, messed up. I have to take the full burden. So I feel like I'm going to go with shame. But do you go with guilt? Like, what? Uh, Yeah,
1: for me. So I think one of the differences with Bear and I with parenting, I do get worked up about those little things because I have this probably false notion that I can fix it. Mm -hmm. And he has, I, I think in part too, because I, I, you know, I was just kind of like your dorky good teenager. I mean, you know, good teenager. I didn't make any huge decisions that had negative consequences. You know, I generally obeyed my parents. You know, <laughs> whatever. Bear was the opposite. He was way more rebellious than me. Um, and for me, I think there's it's probably a false notion that I can fix this and you know avoid those things. And Bear's just like, listen, he's going to come home one day and have done something really bad, made a bad decision. And it just is what it is. It's not about what you could have done better or should have done. He's just human. So I think he almost is – because he's sort of come to grips with that and with the idea of I can, you can royally screw up in life and as long as you're willing to own it – and talk to people about it, it's gonna be
3: okay. That is such profound you know?
1: wisdom. Um, a lot of people are scared of that owning part. Yeah, and it's just failure. I think, I do think the benefit of failure is that you get back up again and hopefully it doesn't crush you, and mm-hmm. then you're not so scared of it. Whereas like if you're always trying to protect yourself from failure or a mistake, then you're just spinning like spinning your wheels in anxiety and worry rather than being like okay a failure is going to happen a mistake is going to happen mm-hmm. but we're going to keep on trucking and know? you have
3: to live up to this false image of perfectionism which is just unattainable totally and i i think too
1: especially now i think with with women and culture in general obviously social media and the images that we see are you know a major part of kind of our daily life i think i read something recently that we come across thousands of images a day you know between television the internet even just driving around you know um and with social media it's even it's your friends and everybody's life is fairly well curated you know and doesn't i think people are more and more trying to have it reflect real life but that doesn't sell products very well you know Mm -hmm. and ultimately those the things that we use are probably driven by, you know, good marketing. And, yes. you know, otherwise it wouldn't be there. We use it as if it's just daily life, but it's, it's a tool that others are using too. But anyways, that was a little bit of a soapbox. But I think we have this additional pressure that maybe in, our mothers and our grandmothers had different pressures, I'm sure, but a different pressure to live up to sort of – unattainable expectation un- an unattainable expectation mm-hmm. you know
3: mm-hmm. so
1: Anyways.
3: so after all the things that you have grown like you've grown so much like you I feel like you have and I love talking to people who got with their spouses young because Michael and I got together super yeah. young mm-hmm. Lainey and Corey got together totally. super young like
1: Lainey and Corey were dating when Mary and I were dating we've known each other from
3: the beginning. Back. Yeah. <laughs> I really love that, especially people in the entertainment industry, yeah. because you are a totally different person now yeah. than you were then. Right. What would you tell Mary Reams now, from your perspective yeah. of this wife, this evolved wife yeah. who has learned so much about yourself and marriage, this mother, mm-hmm. and now you're, in, I don't know how old you're, in your mid-30s, yeah. early 30s,
2: mm-hmm.
3: what would you tell Young Mary Reams, who's just getting started, yeah. who's wide-eyed, hasn't yeah. had anything bad happen yet. Like, what are you going to tell oh her gosh. about the journey ahead?
1: That you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to do it right. And actually, you're going to find more richness of life and beauty in some of the mistakes and failures.
3: Oh, that's, that's scary, <laughs> though. It hurts. And it,
1: stop trying to, like, pursue, I don't know, some perfect picture of yourself of your life of whatever just let the sooner you let that go the more honestly the more joy i think you can welcome into your life you know all that all the present stuff you know (laughs) like being present in the moment you know you worry about so many i mean you worry about things all the time it doesn't matter if you're 21 or if you're 35 or what um but so you always have worries but the sooner you can kind of learn to manage those and get rid of the things that are just silly, you know, mm-hmm. and not worth the brain space, then the better. So, but I'm still learning too. We all are. We'll be different when we're like 45, <laughs> you know? So,
3: What <laughs> <I> is, <hope. laughs> what is worry to you? Like, what is like, what is that? Like, why do we have worry? Where is it coming from? Oh gosh. Um, for me, I,
1: I'm not sure if I necessarily know where it's coming from. I know what it looks like does it in look my like? life. And I would say it's sort of thinking about the past, thinking about the future, but not thinking about the present, not mm-hmm. just being mm-hmm. in it. Mm-hmm. And the, mm-hmm. again, like I said, the more I let go of like ruminating on past things or looking fearfully towards future things, then the better off yes. I am, you know? And I do think that takes just practice and it's hard Especially with having kids, I think it's hard to be diligent about finding that time to just be silent. I yeah. feel like I'm good at finding time to go work out or be doing something. I'm Get kind your of list up. Yeah, I'm a little bit of a busybody in that way. I don't like to sit still for long. Um, but to make myself be like, I'm not going to work out. I'm not going to meet a friend right now. I'm, I'm going to sit and read or just journal or just be. And that's really hard. What happens to you when you're
3: sitting in that moment? Like, why is that hard for you to do that? What is it? Is it like, are you scared to do it? I think it's the same
1: thing. I think it's thinking what I need to get done, Mm -hmm. you you know, or what I should be doing,
3: you know, what happens to you when you finally do stop though? What do you discover?
1: I think it's a, a centering experience. I think I do, you know, you get that extra breath, you know, are able to be grateful. Um, and I think being grateful is kind of the door to joy, really. So, yeah, just presence, really.
3: Mm-hmm. So, somebody um, said, my sister it's had hard t- when you're
1: a new mom, by the way. So, it is.
3: It's okay. I have so much anxiety. And you th-
1: I remember thinking before
3: I had Wilder,
1: I'm going to have all this time nursing and I'm just going to read <laughs> books. <laughs> you <know? laughs> yeah. And your brain is not, I mean, you just can't write that. I, I, Search until the end of the internet. I'm sure like scrolling on my phone or whatever while nursing, just because you're looking for something easy that's not hard on your brain. So give yourself grace for that, too. That
3: is true because your brain is like sometimes I'll get to the end of the day and I'm like, I really haven't done a whole lot, but I feel hey, you so, so tired.
1: You kept a human alive
3: so <laughs> I know but I it's alright my sister told me something of this sentiment and then I saw someone on Instagram I actually get so many great messages on yeah. Instagram like, oh, that's sweet. there's so many helpful people out there yeah. who want to share and help and so someone told me on Instagram um okay so like as a new mom this is terrible like I have my worst fears like what and this is where I go that I am fully responsible yeah. for Sunny's life sure which right now I am for keeping her right, alive right right But like, like every single thing I do has to be perfect or else I will not, the well-being of her life will suffer or let's go worst case scenario. Like what happens if something happens and she dies? Like that is like the parents' worst fear. Right. And I feel like you can just, for me, I can like live in this fear cycle of like, oh my God, like I got to do everything I can Mm -hmm. to make sure that she is okay and perfect, yeah. and life is great. And it's sort
1: of this false sense of being able to control. Yes. Control it, because we're
3: just. Well, I'm gonna like, right. going to make a mistake. Like, I am going to make a mistake. And right. I'm not going to do it intentionally. Mm-hmm. And, like, accepting the fact that, like, I'm going to make a mistake mm-hmm. and not beating myself up and going yeah. down the shame spiral. Right. Because I know in my heart I didn't do it intentionally, yeah. and it's not going to kill her or hurt her. But God forbid something happens. Right. Someone told me this on Instagram, and then my sister has told me the same kind of thing. If I am living every single day of her precious life, mm-hmm. worrying that something totally. awful is going to happen, that she, that everything I do is going to affect her negatively, mm-hmm. that like so I'm gonna, if I don't do it perfect, something could happen. Yeah, I'm gonna miss it. I'm gonna miss her life. I'm gonna right. miss her joy. Right. And I say I'm getting all emotional, but I'm gonna miss her joy. I'm yeah. gonna miss. You're the not beauty. gonna
1: be able to be in it with. I'm her. I'm not
3: gonna be able to be in it because yeah. I'm so controlled by fear. Yeah, yeah. that it's like I have got to figure out how to because that thing is going to happen no matter right. if i worry about it or and if i don't
1: grieve not being present in this for moment. her life yeah uh, before yeah. god it's her, really
3: hard though. it is so hard
1: i will say i think for me one experience in my life that was really beneficial in parenting one was I, I worked in the pediatric icu for a long time wow before I had wow, kids. wow 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 so God. one one thing that made it easier for me is i didn't have to struggle with like knowing what's normal and what's not you know i felt comfortable. the worst of the worst yeah i felt comfortable with babies and newborns so i didn't have to i mean that's a huge um Thing to overcome as a new mom is just like, are they breathing? Is this normal? You know, is that
3: normal? You know, like last (laughs) night, Sunny puked, uh, puked, spit up a little bit, and she never did. Like she took a little nap, and then when she woke up, she spit up. Yeah, which she's never done. Right. So I went in with a flashlight six times last night when she was sleeping I'm not even kidding you she was dead asleep and I just shined my little light on her to make sure she didn't have spit up like six times I I didn't even care if I woke her up I I was like I I put my hand on her chest to make sure she's breathing I'm like this is crazy so I did
1: I sort of benefited from having that experience with children but I work obviously working in a pediatric ICU you're seeing yeah the worst of the worst things happen children passing away or getting diseases that you can't fathom and just random tragic accidents and that kind of stuff so that was an a diff obviously a difficult thing to see when you don't have your own children you I mean in order to work in it you kind of have to compartmentalize it but I did at least have to sort of come to grips with the fact that like something crazy a tragic accident could happen to anybody and why not me you know what I Mm -hmm, mean mm -hmm. so that Element of surprise, maybe that doesn't mean it were, God forbid, something terrible to happen to my children that it would make it not painful or something like that, but sort of that the element of surprise or the why me part or the worrying about it. Even, I mean, we all worry about our children, but it makes it a little bit easier because I've seen firsthand that like you just can't control that it's it, it's not fair. And yeah, how, well, yeah. honestly,
3: like you said earlier, something happens to everyone in a way like you said like you're kind of waiting for the bottom to fall because you had had no pain yet or no tragedy
1: i think in my head at the time i was like well maybe maybe we'll struggle with infertility maybe i'll have miscarriages or something like Mm -hmm. that i think maybe because i was getting toward closer to the age where we would start to think about having kids or something Mm -hmm. Uh, but yeah yeah that the notion that like everybody's going to go through something that really challenges them to their core and you think about it if you don't ever if you never go through life and go through a challenge that really shakes you, or is something that you really, really overcome. I mean, I don't know. Maybe, maybe your experience is not to say it's not fully human. I don't. I don't know. It's just interesting to think about it in I don't that think way. You can be a
3: full human and not go through something that shakes right. you your core. Most
1: people do experience that, and if you don't, you've you've. I guess I would say you've missed out on a major. Part of the human experience, you know,
3: that's so true. And it's such an opportunity in those yeah. moments because you can either take that and you can dig deep, yeah. get into the hurt, right. right? Really feel it. Yeah. And then decide to move forward mm-hmm. and upward and better, mm-hmm. or you can let it break you and ruin you.
1: Yeah. And some people do. I mean, or some people learn to cope maybe in unhealthy ways, but mm-hmm. are still functional or, or whatever. But, you know, well, at least I'll ex- probably experience something deeply deeply challenging at some point in our mm-hmm. life not to scare all your young listeners out there,
3: there. it's true <laughs> I mean I, I feel like now like being married is one set it takes you to a new level of like fear and trust and faith and understanding yeah. yourself and God and all that and then add a kid to it and you're at a whole new level right. so I mean I just can't even imagine how the latter rungs keep taking you into this human experience. And they say like youth is wasted on the young, but then Luke Bryan had that song. He's like, I believe youth isn't wasted on the young. And I agree. Like, I'm so glad that I was naive when I was young. That I had that blessing to be naive and kind of blissful, even though I had like my own set of insecurities. Sure. Looking back, I'm like, God, I was worried about stupid stuff. Like it wasn't real. Yeah. But I, I'm so glad that there is that youth period. Yeah. Where you are a little bit naive. Because that is a beautiful time. Yeah. And it like prepares, you just slowly get prepared a little bit more, a little bit more. Life gets a little more more real.
1: Yeah. I think each step, I mean, obviously it's just a journey. Each step is a part of the process. And I think, again, in our culture and just who we are, we're sort of always looking for a means to an end. Like we're trying to get to an end point where we just have it this all this this family and this body and you know these looks or this career it's whatever. all perfect yeah it's all i was telling very literally last night we were talking about it and i was like you know i want my puzzle piece all the pieces to be where they're supposed to be right in their place and i was like but i'm learning if i can't live with some of the pieces being out of place or disjointed or the puzzle not perfectly fitting together then i'm then i'm never going to be living because like when in your life is everything perfect it never is you know so I'm gonna have to learn to live in the tension of having pieces that are you can't fix or there's whether it's a relationship um that's disjointed or a career that's not going the way you want it to go or whatever you know for me I think I'm in a season of learning how to how to be joyful and grateful in the midst of my puzzle not
3: totally fitting together how I want it to (laughs) in the midst of tension yeah yeah that is and isn't that life and like to the world it looks like you have everything together no one would even know that you are living in this place of like tension a little bit sure but that is us that is humans that is life and that is why like I love getting to talk to women like you who will share their heart and story because I think it is so important especially for women I mean, Mm -hmm. men, I think need this too, but I don't know how to relate to men on the same way that I know how to relate to women.
1: (laughs) Would you consider yourself a girl's girl or a guy's girl, Mm. or both?
3: Never, neither, neither, because I always was this individualist, and I thought like (laughs) no one understood me, and that like I wasn't good enough to be fully seen or loved by anyone. Yeah. Yeah. So like I always felt like I was trying to keep up or impress or like.
1: Yeah, I've always been a girl's girl. Like always have you know, just had rich you know female relationships great good friends that I feel like could share share their heart and I could too and that's a struggle for some people for sure I feel like Um, I found that
3: in my adulthood yeah like now I would definitely say I'm a girl's girl because I love women but like I had to grow into that right and I had to get to a place where I could trust that like these people actually love me it
1: has to do with trust and that they're not
3: gonna like judge me or like think that like I am a total loser because I used to think people would like not like me yeah yeah so I think I had to grow into the yeah. fact that like, okay. not like you, Carol?
1: But it's the same thing. You would look from the outside and be like, she's beautiful. She has this amazing life, this amazing personality, all the things. And everybody, I don't care who you are. Probably everybody has to overcome insecurity on yeah.
3: some level. You know, I think I had to get to the point where I'm like, okay, women, like people aren't out to get me. Like I used to right. think people like wouldn't like me. Like I was innately a yeah. bad person. Yeah. kind And what's so weird is like, and I mean, objectively, the the opposite
1: is true, you know. But we just kind of live out of those perceptions that mm-hmm. we have, um, and hopefully, hopefully, part of counseling is like breaking all those down. Yes, like I can let people see me, and not only will they like me, some people might, and that might not,
3: and that's okay like too. We're just like you know, right, right. <laughs> a, it just might not be someone's cup of tea, Right, right? But I love sharing women's stories like yours because I feel like we as women. Like, especially in Nashville in this community, like mm-hmm. people are willing to share right. and talk about life and be open. Mm-hmm. And I think that is such a blessing because yeah. I know some people don't have the confidence or the there's not an um, environment that is a sharing environment. Yeah. But everyone needs to know that we are all mm-hmm. on the same yeah. walk and yeah. journey and we are all going through it no matter if you are... Like in a life that's like traveling the world, yeah. married to a musician, in arenas, like doing all this stuff, sure. you're still dealing with life just like someone else's, Right. you know, right. who may feel like their life is a total like hot mess and right. like nothing's going right, right and they'll never get a break or yeah. like all these things are stacked against yeah. them. But like we all are going through the same issues. Right,
1: right. And I think to varying degrees, like some people share their struggles or vulnerability very publicly and that's okay that's not i mean i think i'm pretty open but um i'm most open with like my closest people who i've been friends with since forever or new friends that are just i call like soul friends you know Mm -hmm. um but as long as you have you know again with with social media and stuff i think it can kind of give a false sense of community and i think it's always important for us to remember that there's some things that if we feel comfortable sharing like publicly great, but it's okay to have a few things that are just for you or you and your spouse or you and your closest, closest people. Um, I agree with that. You know, totally. So anyways, but you know, I want to talk to you with other people.
3: I want to talk to you forever, but we are already (laughs) at an hour and 10 minutes. Can you believe that? I love it. And I feel like Sunny just started crying. She did. Perfect timing. So perfect timing. So I leave all my interviews with leave your light. So just leave some inspiration. What do you want people to know?
1: Oh, gosh. I need to prepare for that. No. No. I miss
3: what I've said. Like, life is
1: a journey. It's, there's going to be ups and downs. Even if most of your life has been an up, there's going to be downs and you're going to be okay. You know, but you have to ask for help to be okay, honestly. So that's been my experience so far. Don't be scared (laughs) to ask for help. Right. Yeah. I love that. Don't be scared to ask for help. Yeah. Yeah. So, why do you think people are scared to ask for help? I think insecurity. I think whether, you know, and for various reasons, whether, you know, we sort of have a need to appear strong and that shows kind of a chink mm. in our armor, mm. or we, you know, have lost all our self worth and feel like asking for help is just another reason for people to not love you or whatever it might be but i think it's i think it's sort of goes back to that idea of distrust we just it's hard for us to it's vulnerable i guess to um trust others you know because you can get hurt Mm -hmm. and so if you're if we're always protecting ourselves from getting hurt then we can't be vulnerable and then we can't receive love from other people so, at least that's what I'm learning in
3: my journey, kind of. So, <laughs> and on that, drop the mic. Mary
1: wow. Reeves Reinhardt, thank Thanks you for, for joining. Me. me. Again, you can tell me if this podcast is so boring that you don't want to. This was in.
3: nothing <laughs> boring. About I'm okay this. with that. <laughs> this was so. Thank you for sharing and being so open. Oh uh, yeah, <laughs> good job. You're the best. <laughs> okay, bye.
2: This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride.